This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. From New York City, it's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Good evening. Welcome to the Todd Berry Podcast. I have Guy Branham on the show today. He's, it was really good. Uh, I had a feeling it would be good, and it was good. Check me out on tour. Going down south on April 8th, I'll be at Hattiesburg, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, then Birmingham, Alabama the next day, then Athens, Georgia the day after that. A few days after that, I'm going to Portland, Providence, Hamden, Connecticut, Austin for the Moon Tower Festival, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Arlington, Winnipeg, Evanston, Illinois, and Honolulu. Yeah, that's in Hawaii. Check out my crowd work special on louisck.net. Five dollars. It's only five dollars. It's like over 70 minutes long. I watched a clip of it today. It was good. I don't ever say my stuff is good, but this is pretty good. It's decent. It's all right. Toddberry.com, at Toddberry. And this podcast is produced by Feral Audio, and they produce a lot of great podcasts. So go to feralaudio.com. And here is Guy Branham. So you're the second guest to come in holding a bottle of kombucha. Who else came in with kombucha? I'm trying to think who it was. It may have been this guy, Sheng Wang. That makes sense. Do you know him? Yes. We started in San Francisco together. Did you really? Yes. He's a dirty hippie, but he also is so vigilant about only... There was a period of time when he just basically, I think, just ate leaves for like several months because he was cleansing himself. Really? Yes. I didn't know you guys... Well, it's great that you knew each other. That was perfectly seamlessly tied in i like that it was i like that it was a very san francisco hippie connection he also and this sounds like a joke but he had a big old thing of kale that he wanted me to put in my refrigerator which i did what's not asking a lot but just hey man can i put this in your refrigerator that's very shiny kale and kombucha yeah so kale he walked in with kale it's an amazing green um i five years ago i i never would have imagined that it could have peaked in the way that it has um and a lot of people have suggested some some new answers to what's our leafy green of tomorrow, and I think they're wrong. You don't think it's kale? Well, no, no, no. The, kale is leafy green of today, but like Whole Foods was trying to sell me this crock of shit on there on the side of their uh, bags that said collard greens. They're the kale of tomorrow, and it's like nobody. It's not the the kale of tomorrow. Like you can make a fun little salad from kale. You can just like toss it in a sauté pan and like. <laughs> make it into something magical Ke- like collard greens require hours of stewing before they're anything other than just leather i don't like i don't like collard greens i enjoy collard i want to like collard greens because it makes me feel like i'm into like soul food which i like everything else in soul food but i don't really like the greens exactly everything else in soul foods is pretty much just like fat back um and collard greens are like the one thing that's sort of like vaguely healthy though made properly they should have like a a pig's foot like boiled in with them providing them with valuable flavor (laughs) yeah i find them soggy and uh just like soggy lettuce but an important part of judaism todd (laughs) is getting as much dietary fiber to go through your colon as possible so you die less soon die less soon we have the crazy likelihood of getting colon cancer is that true yes i've had several colonoscopies i'm good for you how about you um none professional do you you get that yeah i do get that it's a fun joke about homosexuality i'm surprised i had to wait nearly two and a half minutes to get that first one that's deeply insulting for one of my comedy heroes todd (laughs) to say oh branham how one note of you how one note i don't don't think you're one note um i think you've got several notes they're all very loud they're all loud and they're all about being gay (laughs) (laughs) you have those three notes now we did I meet you on that that maximum fun cruise? I feel like I'd I'd never met you before. Yes, I heard your name. I'd seen you on uh, Last Comic Standing. 
Um, I was a huge fan of yours for years. I don't like I went and saw you. There, there was like a five year period of time when I went and saw you anytime you were at the Sacramento punchline. Is that true? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I, I, I haven't been there in a long time. I know it was a while ago. I'm quite old. Uh, but, uh, I've always been a, a big fan of your work. I think I did that once with, uh, Orange Barker emceeing. He either emceed or, or middled, and then he became a huge star in Australia. Yes. That's always, isn't that, there's something so compelling about that dream of being famous somewhere else. Like, because also from San Francisco, Scott Capurro yeah. uh, is super famous in England, and nobody knows who he is here. Um, and that was always fascinating to be aware of. Yeah, I always wonder if that's like, uh, it's got to be a little bit like, why can't I conquer my own country? Right. But then there's also something charming about like going somewhere and being a, a novelty. Like, do you know who Ruby Wax is? Is she from Austin? No, Ruby Wax is, she's an American, but she like went to England, I think to like study at Rado when she was very young. And then she essentially became their Fran Drescher. But she's like not Fran Drescher-y, like she's not egregious at all. She's just a, a regular <laughs> level of annoying. And to them, they're just like, oh my God, can you believe her? Right. Uh, now she's old. You find Fran Drescher egregious? That's the, I, that's a funny word to describe Fran Drescher. I think Fran Drescher is she's just a lot. I love her and I love her work and I love the nanny. We were making a 1960s sitcom in 1995 and I love that. Yeah, I met her once at a party and I got to say she was exactly as nice as she seems. Like she was, hi, I'm Fran. I don't do impressions, but she was very nice. That was such amazing commitment. In the 20 second exchange I had with her. She was on Chelsea lately once, and she was. We'd given her two segments because we were like Fran Drescher. Oh, this is gonna yeah. be great. And then she, she was very low key, and everybody was a little disappointed. But there was a small dog with her. You just described uh, the story of my life. <laughs> He's a little low key. Yeah, we, we you know just need something a little more uh, upper upper key. You're not low key. Now let's talk about that cruise. Okay. Is that had you been on a cruise before? I'd never been on a cruise before. Me neither. It was odd. I like I had worked on a uh, a pilot for like there was this production company who had optioned that like is it a Dave Eggers piece or is it David? It's the guy who killed himself. Which no, of, Dave Eggers didn't kill himself. No, which oh, of, oh, the guy um, David Foster Wallace. David Foster Wallace. Yeah, I've been yes. reading that essay actually. Um, so I had like read that and a couple of other things, and I had like written a script about being on a cruise, but I had never been on one. And then like getting to like the the reason I wanted to go was to like see it all in action because I was actually I was writing on a TV show at that point in time, and two Natasha Leggero and Moshe Kasho were supposed to go on the cruise, and they didn't because they were staying to write the show and they were like you should do that too and i was like no i want to go on a cruise <laughs> i mean what do you suppose it's pretty uh it's a pretty intoxicating offer you know yeah. just like hey do you want to go on this cruise for and uh gets all paid for and and go to the bahamas yeah i, I mean the bahamas, for an afternoon i felt like the bahamas i didn't i didn't see the real bahamas I saw a lot of t-shirt shops a lot of aggressive restaurateurs but I don't know if there is how much is there a real Bahamas. There's got to be, right? I mean, it's a real country. It, but it exists primarily on money spilling off of cruise ships and um, and coming to them. Like, I, go ahead. Oh, I mean, I just sort of dove deep to try to like figure out what's going on there. What are they? What are they actually doing? Other than just sort of like, but their their industries are so heavily tourism and then like a financial sector that's pretty much just hiding money for Americans. Right. Um, I have a couple of mil over there. <laughs> well, wait, how did you like the? the I liked it. I um, I was uh, I had this feeling. I've talked about it before, where I'm like, it's like half of me is like, oh, never again. Like it was the security to get on the boat was like ten times what airport security is. And then I was like, oh, never again. This is a nightmare. Then I was kind of like, oh, we should go on websites. This could be, you feel like it's something you have to learn how to do. Yeah. It was, um, it was strange how much it was structured for sort of like 
middle-aged Midwestern people was a little bit interesting. I loved how they were constantly trying to tell you how fancy everything was while it wasn't particularly fancy. <laughs> when did they do that? I don't remember. Just like making such a big deal out of the like dinner uh-huh. and there being so much like glass glass work. Or there was this there was this thing that they said like, oh, we're having we're having a seminar about going out in the Bahamas. So we suggested everyone, one person from every stateroom go. So I, of course, was the only person from our group of like 300 people who went. And it was just about telling you about buying jewelry in the Bahamas and the the wonderful jewelry options right here on the ship. Yeah, I saw that, the little mall they had in there, which is like, I just, who's buying like, yeah, but this is the place to get a diamond. <laughs> the place where internet costs $4,000 is probably the best place to buy jewelry. Yeah. Did, um... Yeah, I mean, would you go? Would you do it again? It really depends on the circumstances. I would like to see. Chris Fairbanks had been on a, a cruise before, but he had been, I think, on a better class of cruise, uh-huh. and he was going on and on about how amazing it was before we got on, uh, how amazing it was going to be before we got on. But I think going on a nicer one and seeing how that works would be awesome. And then there's also the thing of, I am one of the rare gay comedians who has never performed on a gay cruise, uh-huh. uh, and I. I'm fascinated to see what that is like because I'm pretty sure I would end up committing suicide. Why do you say that? Just sort of being on a cruise ship because, like, for us, we were like 300 people on a boat of like 3,000. But this is like 3,000 gay guys who spend their entire year working out just so that they will be perfect, perfect hot for this one week of them doing club drugs and um, having sex with each other all week long or weekend long. And I just know I would be there and be like, uh, and then throw myself off of the ship. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, you shouldn't do it then. But it would be hot. I mean, it would be one of the hotter suicides. But what about, uh, I mean, you could potentially make a lot of money, right, doing that. I, I, I think. I don't know. I've never, I've never gotten the opportunity of doing it. And every time I've ever said to a manager, hey, could you figure this out? They've just ignored it because that's what managers do. Um, it's because you're supposed to talk to your booking agent, not your manager. I don't, no one wants to book me anywhere. Really? Uh, yeah. The booking agents only talk to me when I'm meeting with an agency to tell me all of the wonderful things that they're going to do and then they never do any of them. Oh, you have those big, yeah, I've had those meetings where there's like eight people who you're never going to talk to seven of them again. Exactly. (laughs) It's very business. Yeah. You just see like they just burn those out. Like, you know, we have an 845, we have a nine. Yeah. And then. But it feels special for a moment. It does. It makes you feel like you're in show business. And aren't these, isn't what is life if not just a series of moments? That's what Stephen Sondheim taught me. Really? Yes. <laughs> is that a, was that like a tutoring session or is that, you mean, just taking in his work? Uh, I was I was doing a, a mentorship with Stephen in his dungeon where I was just learning from him. Was he a dungeon guy? Yeah. The, I mean, the word is, there was like some sort of like fire and the firemen came and they discovered that Stephen Sondheim had a dungeon in his home. This is just a rumor, but it's a rumor. Maybe everyone. it's just like a set from one of his shows. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, I can't think of one of his shows off the top of my It's head. a very concept day Sunday in the park with George. <laughs> now you did, uh, we were watching, my girlfriend and I were watching you dance uh-huh. on the cruise and that was, we were really enjoying it. Thank you. It was because you just went out there and you just had, you were by yourself. Uh huh. Because I can't even dance with someone. I'm just, I feel like the whole world is looking at me, even though no one is. But you just kind of sauntered out there and you were just, you're bop, the way you were bopping your head was really enjoyable. I, I like to dance a lot. And in any comedy situation, it's just no, like nobody's going to start the dancing if it's not me or. Like there, there have been times at Bridgetown or like at a comedy festival um, when I did walk in and like some ladies or African American gentlemen had decided to make things happen. But in many situations, it does fall to my responsibility to make the dancing start. <laughs> so you're the guy. You're the guy who gets the dancing going. Yes. I didn't see that. I didn't realize. Yes. Well, it's it's the way of my people. <laughs> uh. But okay, what are the what are the kinds of physical movement that you enjoy? When, other than having a beautiful moment with your lady, yeah. what, what, is, what are the things that you... That make me smile? That you enjoy doing with your body. Oh, with, oh, just what I do. Hiking or... 
Right. I've never done the hiking thing that everyone talks about in L.A. It seems terrible. Have you done it? The Runyon Canyon? Thing? No. I don't even think I've ever seen the beach in L.A. Maybe once. I like the beach a lot. And I realize, like, based on my body type, I'm not supposed to like the beach, but I really do. Yeah. Well, you can like the beach. Exactly. It's fun. I like swimming in the ocean because it's one of the few things that can really, like, toss me around. Um, and then I just like the beachy experience of, like, laying and sunning and, uh, like... Uh, I like going to Palm Springs. Like when I can all like merge the beach with gay socialization, that's very charming. When you merge the beach and with gay socialization, because the thing is, is yes, it's nice to talk to everyone, but if you can talk to people who are potential sort of like romantic interests or just looking cute in a little outfit, right. then it's that's more fun. Uh, and I like the getting drunk and being sun drenched and all of that. You got a little drunk on the cruise, didn't you? I do I that like sometimes. No, I mean that's no judgment. Yes. Are you? Do you drink or are you done I drink with drinking? A little. I, okay, I, I, I do like one or two. Yes, I mean three on my birthday. Uh, what is your sign of the zodiac, Todd? Sorry to hear you guys heard me drinking my high end only dollar forty nine German mineral water. Uh, Aries. Oh, you're an Aries. What do you think? I don't know what that means. You're an air sign, I think. I don't think you're allowed to ask what's your sign unless you have the follow up to tell me what I'm all about. I know nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, like comedy festival things like that are so fun, and I like having a good time. But when you're a comic, there is always the weird thing of like, how much drinking is too much, and like, should I? When should I be worried? Because it's just so easy to incidentally have a drink or two every night. I get a. Uh... I get a little not angry, but I get when I when I go to a festival, I see the younger sort of uh, not the sort of greener comics all mm-hmm. getting shit faced. Yeah, I feel like, hey, do you want to get past this level? Maybe not that they shouldn't go out and have a good time, but it seems like they're in it for the drinking. Well, there is the the interesting way where you there's so much dudes being dudes that goes on and trying to show that you're a rough tough dude uh-huh. to like the cool guys, um, and that's. Adorable to to watch. <laughs> just watching people being cool. Well, n- just sort of like watching, because watching like younger straight male comedians try to prove their bro- like that they're worthy of being chill type bros with the guys who they look up to uh-huh. um, is always interesting to me because I've always been a little bit sort of outside of that system. And you, have you ever approached a comic? Just I mean, as a fan. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like someone who like someone famous like me. I mean, it it feels strange to do it. And there is the weird arrogance of you always want them to know you and your work. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I sometimes I can be really self-conscious about it because the last thing you want is to have somebody you really re- respect treat you like, a, nah, thanks. And everybody has different levels of sort of savvy when it comes to dealing with people who are fans but famously i went up to karen kilgariff at um it was like natasha legera's birthday and somebody else's birthday it's all you know trivia my birthday as well same birthday as natasha oh really yes it may have it was at um oh that place on rowena in los angeles on um Never mind. Okay. But you would you have had a birthday party? We had a joint birthday party once, but it was at a place that had some sort of gardeny type no, place. No, th- it was at your birthday party. It was? Yes. Okay. okay. So it was like out back in the in the gardeny spot and I saw Karen and I went up to her and I took her by the forearm and informed her that like seeing her in San Francisco was one of those like significant moments that made me want to be a stand up comedian. And then I had been too vulnerable, so I immediately just left. Um and it was a lovely way of meeting someone because, like, it both meant some. It, it meant something a little special to both of us. Well, she's um, very nice, Karen. Yes, she is. Um, she's one of my favorites and somebody who like has become a, a good friend of mine and who like I can go to when I have like questions about stuff, um, like personal stuff, personal stuff, and like you know, like work stuff. Cause I mean, she's, she's been a writer on a, a lot of shows and like, she knows how stuff works. And if it, I just want to like bitch about a room or a job or like talk about a boy, I have a crush on, um, Karen and I, we, we have, we have brunch a lot. Um, and like, <laughs> I love that you have to do this over brunch. Well, it's important. <laughs> I have a crush on someone. Oh, where do you want to eat? Yeah, brunch. 
No, that's that's how it works, except with more enthusiasm and more negotiation about whether I'm going to have to go to the valley or not. Um, what does that even mean? The Is va- that where she lives? She lives in the valley. Oh, and you live where? I live in West Hollywood. Okay. Because cliches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's nice. It's, is there anyone else who I've really just sort of like fanboyed at? No, I'm always, I'm always scared of it because I always, I most of the time want them to like know who I am so that they'll understand how meaningful it is that I'm telling them that they're great. Right. Um, yeah, I think, uh, comics, I think it's cool to talk to other comics, but like if you saw someone on a plane, you admired like maybe an actor, would you say something to them? No, God, no. Um, it, it just feels weird and I don't know what to say. It's very funny you say that. One time when I was like just starting stand up, um, or I've been at it for like a couple of years, but, uh, David Cross came to like a cafe and sat down next to me and I was like, it's David Cross. And I was like, what would you even say? And at that moment I resolved the only celebrity I would ever go up to and recognize was Fran Drescher. And if I saw Fran Drescher, I would go up to her and I would tell her that she was my rock during my uterine cancer scare. (laughs) Um, I feel bad that I've met her and that, that's your dream. I, but it's a dream that's maybe past now because she was in the same building with me once and I did not go and tell her that she was amazing. What's the uterine cancer thing? It's a joke. Because, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because she had, she had cancer. Yeah. I was like, I was trying to process that. I was like, she, is he making just a horrible joke? I'm making a horrible joke. <laughs> or did he have something serious that... I don't have a uterus. Yeah, no, that's why I, that's I did not get how gay works. That's why I got confused. <laughs> I was, I, I, now I'm embarrassed, but I, uh, I just, I knew, I knew, but no, I was I, also like, I, I misinterpreted. I was making a cheap joke at yeah, the expense. I, I guess I didn't want to believe that you were making a terrible uterine cancer joke. She did write a book called Cancer Schmancer, so she, she did, put right. it on the table. You're right. She did. <laughs> <laughs> she put it on the table. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. Wow, that was a, that was a rough exchange we just had there. It was difficult. Are we going to make it through this? That's going to be hard to uh, edit all that shit out. No, and it's going to be that one's fine. That one's keep. That showed a little vulnerability in my part because people were like, uh, he didn't know which kind of cancer that was. But I did. I just didn't think about it. See how self conscious I am about this. Okay, here's a question I have for you. No, 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 no. Um, I always think it's weird how much I was like very much inspired by the comedy of people whose comedy is not very much like what I do. Uh-huh. Um, and who do like, did you think concretely about sort of like who you very much admired when you were starting out or anything like that? I mean, there were always people I liked, but I never felt like, Oh, I'm, I'm like Andy Kaufman, even right. though I liked him a lot. And, uh, and you know, like Brian Regan, mm-hmm. people like who are not at all like me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Brian Regan's so nice. He is really nice. Yes. And, that, and that way we have something in common. Yes. He's hilarious. I don't know that I would agree with that. <laughs> Seriously? No, I'm just sassing you. Oh, my God. <laughs> in my own studio apartment. I mean, apartment slash studio. Let's make it sound a little better than this. Do you... um? So, yeah. So, you, so you didn't... You, oh, friend Asher, if you saw her on a plane, would you approach Um. Uh, again, I don't think I would. When I'm in a plane, I'm just so ill-suited to the dimensions of every situation that I'm in that I really just want to get through it. I just want to get through it. That's true. You're, you're. I imagine a coach seat would be a little. They're uncomfortable for me, and I'm. A, I'm creepily gigantic. Five, five and a half. I mean, it's more the social issue. It's more sort of just the dynamic of who's going to be sitting next to me. Will I feel guilty about this? All of that. I like I like a nice window seat and a nice wedging myself against the window. Just wedging myself against the window as hard as I can just to keep out of the way. So you're a window seat guy. I'm a window seat guy. Uh, I'm also sorry that I burped in your face. Oh, did you? I didn't even notice. Um, and then uh, I, I will regularly upgrade to but you only get extra leg room which i guess is valuable but yeah i don't i don't pay for that fucking like extra four and it's always like up to four extra inches oh so right. it could be one extra inch but like first class i mean that really is just yeah, that's the way to do it it's a beautiful way of life do you fly first class ever? very rarely on occasion it's been not so bad and also i don't like you you road people you do enough traveling that you're able to like get your relationship with delta such yeah, that delta I love loves talking you. about this shit i'm sure you haven't listened to my podcast but talk <laughs> about half the episodes i talk about freaking florida i listened to kill martin's episode there was a lot of real estate talk <laughs> there was in that one yeah i go where the wind takes me where i go mm-hmm. do um yeah so do you have do you get your miles 
Um, no, because I <sighs> like I don't. Don't tell me that you don't fly enough. I, like I don't fly enough. Oh, I mean, I just I told you not. To. <laughs> I suppose I fly a lot. I'm really irresponsible about using different different airlines every time. You know what? They still add up. Um, Sometimes those airlines merge. <laughs> I also have terrible, terrible credit, so I can't get one oh, of those do? credit cards that oh are like God. make American Airlines love you. What's your, have you checked? Been on Credit Karma? I have not been on Credit Karma. What is that? That's a free credit score thing. It, so, like, if it's I stop eating meat, like my doing credit an, score will get better? Something like that. But it, it told me my amazing credit score. Congratulations. Have you, you've never checked yours? No, I have, but I did it through Equifax, where I paid oh, yeah. money, which is apparently why my credit is so bad, because I'm paying What was money. your score? Do you remember? It was bad. Under, under six? It was in the 500s, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. That means you've never paid one bill, ever. That's not true. I've paid a lot of bills. That is, yeah, that's what's up. Would that be like I just, like uh, problematic credit or was that like a horrible credit? That's a bad credit. I won't tell you that mine was 803. Fuck you. Oh Fuck God, you. I love, I love having Apparently a- somebody didn't come out of the closet halfway through law school and then go just crash for an entire summer and let his credit cards go into default. So you think coming out of the closet cause you to have a bad credit score it's a fun thing to blame yeah it was a terrible terrible depression like it was a terrible terrible depression where i was super irresponsible and did not do the things that i needed to do i didn't know you were in law school i went to law school i don't know if i see you as a lawyer i don't know if i saw myself what as a kind lawyer. of where was where was this i went to the university of minnesota law school and i um like did it because my mom told me to and then after the first year i was like i hate everything about my life and then i thought that i would somehow make it better by coming out to my parents and then i did and things got much worse and then i like slept for an entire month um and so they weren't accepting when you no, and they had Uh, no suspicions well i mean they had fears like they really thought that they had it's so fascinating because like since the age I was since I was eight they were like shaming me to try to like get me out of doing faggoty behaviors uh-huh. but then once I actually came out they were like ah. um so have they cooled off a little bit about eh, I don't mean, want to get too personal things aren't great God knows on a podcast the last thing you want to do is hear I someone's usually, inner truth no I don't usually I don't <laughs> I just don't want to make people uncomfortable um, but Todd, if I should be conveying anything to you, it's my ability to be comfortable in almost any situation. I, I wouldn't suspect that about you, but you're doing fine. Thank you. What, what kind of law did you think you were going to practice? Well, I mean, by the time you like specialize after your first year and by that point in time, I was sort of checked out. So it was kind of, I, I wasn't focusing on like a reasonable thing. Uh, I focused on like legislative interpretation. Oh my so God. like that isn't you wouldn't get a job in that like those were most yeah and so it was really stupid though there was one point in time where like when i was like two years into stand-up there was this job for the city of oakland that was basically the person who like takes their ordinances that get passed by the city council and like puts them into the laws Uh and i re i wanted that job so bad i was like that job is for me and then i didn't get it and i got really sad but it's like if i had gotten that job i wouldn't be a lawyer now Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You mean you wouldn't be a comedian? I wouldn't be a comedian now. Ruth Bader Ginsburg famously says, like, if I had been able to get a job at a law firm out of law school, I would probably just be a retired partner from a law firm right now because the world was like hard. I am now a Supreme Court justice. That's to me. That's like that must be nuts becoming a Supreme Court justice. Yeah, because it's like it is like six weeks of super close scrutiny, and then after that, just do what you want to do. Yeah, I I, I, I find the, the Supreme Court rather fascinating. Why? They're just I just love the interpretations of laws and and how that how it's not quite what you think all the time, and some things you hear people like dummies on Twitter shooting their mouth off about some issue. It was always anytime I would come back from law school. I basically I, just said nothing right there. I would always try to like recount. I would like be like, oh, here's this funny case or here's this interesting thing to my dad. And my dad would always be like, that that doesn't seem like how it should be. I'm like, no, that's the point is that this is a f- this is a funny and weird interpretation that somehow ended up becoming the law. And he's like, that doesn't I just can't believe that. And it's like, you know, I am going to law school like I did. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning this thing. Did you have you watched the jinx? I have not watched the Jinx okay. yet. I watched Going Clear. Oh, I watched that last night. Uh, what did you think? It's pretty intense. I'm afraid to say what I thought of it. <laughs> it's understandable. Do you ever consider if, like, I always think if showbiz doesn't work out, I can always start a cult. 
You think so? Yes. I'm fascinated when I read it here. I saw this other one called uh, The Source Family. That's about a sort of a culty thing that mm-hmm. it was on, it's on Netflix. Um, it's just crazy how these things evolve, like the Scientology thing where the guy was just, I mean, he was out of the pit. He was like disappeared and it still kept going. Yeah. I mean, unless he was sort of making phone calls. Well, it's interesting. It must be working for people in its way then. Like, look, Scientology is scary, but I'm always like, it just makes me feel weird that the German government goes after them so hard and the German government has a bad record when it comes to persecuting religions. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Did you ever get tempted to join a cult? No. Yeah, I don't see you doing that. Yeah, it's... That was a dumb question. (laughs) Yes, I wanted to join. I said, I want to join a cult. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit weird to me, but LA is so full of those people who just like are looking for something and need something and like love being joyous and happy. Actors, I mean. And I feel like cults are really appealing for them. But Natasha Leggero, like years ago, told me or like told the story of, I think she and another female comic went on one of the little like tours and then they gave them the quiz. Uh huh. And the other girl answered honestly, and Natasha answered everything in a completely fuck you way, and that girl still gets calls, and they never once tried to contact Natasha. And I think that that's just everything. Like, no one, I don't think anyone would ever try to pull me into a cult, because I would not be cooperative. (laughs) Yeah, they, um, I mean, they they pointed out, like, so many actors in it, because there's so much rejection and this is sort of a way of erasing negativity. Sorry. That's the way it's sold anyway. Don't worry about whatever you just dropped on my... I dropped a cap. My precious um, floor. Yeah, I mean, being an actor is terrible. It's only after you go on a fair number of auditions that you understand why they work out so much and why they smile so much. But it really is... When you can control absolutely nothing except for what your body looks like when you walk through that door and you have to work super hard on something and then give it up the minute your audition is done and like not worry or hope, like it really... It forces you into this crazy mindset. And the people who are good at it... like. Like know what they're doing. Do you audition a lot? No. Me neither. I audition some. Me too. Yeah. Do you ever turn down auditions? One time. Only one time, just because it was so clear that my agent wasn't even paying attention to this stuff. It right. was like for a duty main character role on the Shaquille O'Neal sitcom. Uh-huh. And I was like, no. That's not what, like, there's no possible way that I am what they are looking for for this. So let's accept that and move on. I'm not for most roles. Let's focus on the things that I am read for. And that still doesn't work. Have you done any acting? Yes. I was got to look at your IMDb page. Uh, I was in a movie four years ago that did reasonably well. What's that? It's called No Strings Attached. It's a romantic comedy where Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman attempt to be... Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, and, and isn't... Is Mila... Oh, no. She's no, married to him. There were two identical movies that were made within a year of each other. They were both originally called Fuck Buddies. Oh, the other one was Justin yes. Timberlake and Mila Kunis. Yes. And I played the sassy gay friend in the Natalie Portman one, and Woody Harrelson played the sassy gay friend in the Mila Kunis one. Who were your scenes with? My scenes were with Ashton, Natalie, Mindy Kaling, Greta Gerwig, oh, and wow. Olivia Thurlby. So you had a lot of scenes. Uh, Yeah. I had like four or five. Were they all nice to you? Yes. I mean, it was interesting dealing with famous, famous people. Yeah. Uh, And it's also interesting being the comedian in a situation where you are significantly less famous and important than other people, because there were still situations where I was like the dynamic person who is expected to keep things going while at the same time being deferential. But there was also Ashton Kutcher just being like, I'm a big deal. Oh, really? Um, and that was interesting to watch. Did he have a little, uh, he had an ego on him? Yeah, he was an interesting guy. Um, I Would you like to hear one of my official stories from this movie? I would movie? love to. Okay. Have you told us on 10 other podcasts? I don't think so. Okay. Exclusive. Uh, we got an exclusive. Okay. I have, I've said it on stage before, though. I should not tell this story. Um, it just comes down to, he was on, it was like my first day of shooting, and we were shooting this picnic scene that ended up not being in the movie, and... He um, was like just big dealing really hard down at the end of the table. And he was talking to Natalie about her being 
um, a veg, a vegan. And he was like, Oh, do you, do you miss the food that you can't eat anymore? And she's like, Oh no, I don't really, I never really liked meat. And then he says that because of Kabbalah, he keeps, or he says, I keep kosher. Well, I, I'm not religious about it. And then I laughed so hard because I thought he had made a joke and then nobody else was laughing and I realized he had not made a joke. He had just said something that was a little bit stupid. And then I felt really, really bad and he avoided eye contact with me for the remainder of the nine days that I worked on the show. <laughs> um, so then nine days later, we're like um, at UCLA Medical School and we're like shooting what's going to be one of my last scenes. And Natalie is like on her Blackberry, like... Um, and she's like, oh, my friend wrote this book about factory farming. Um, he wants me to write a blurb for it. What should I say? And I was like, I don't know, because I was intimidated. And then Ashton said, what a great idea. I mean, how many jobs would that create? What a great idea. How many jobs would it create if we grew food in factories instead of in the ground? And then I had to not laugh in his face again. Like, it was just one of those situations of like... He's an activist. <laughs> It was just, he was just so like pretty certain that he was much smarter than he is. And it was delightful to watch. So the, the Kabbalah thing, he said he goes to Kabbalah, but he keeps kosher, but he's not religious. He, well, he said, I keep kosher. Yeah, I'm, not, the... I'm not religious about it. What he meant was that he's not strict about right. it, but he did not think about the fact that he was doing it for a religion. I don't know if he's Kabbalah anymore, because I think that that was anymore. He's not. Huh. He's just Hollywood Kabbalah. <laughs> I like that. I keep kosher, uh, except when I'm not keeping kosher. Right. Bacon looks that bacon looks really crispy the way I like it. I'm not kosher right now. It's a silly religion. We both need to agree. You're Jewish, right? Yes. So am I. Not very religious. Why? Uh... Why are you in New York City? I'm writing for a television program. What's that? It's called Billy on the Street. Oh, okay. Yes. So I'm writing sassy things for Billy to say. I've only, I haven't watched that a lot. I feel bad, but mm -hmm. I've watched it. It's a good show. Yeah, he's funny. It's the rare occasion that I get to write for a show and I get to be like. So you just I'm, say, you come up with the ideas, run up to people and say this to them. Yes. Come up with fun games to play. That sounds like a good writing job. It is. It's not like scripts, just like little. <laughs> sentences exactly and it's very much because like i frequently have had to write for things that weren't necessarily my sensibility uh and i'm good at that because i'm a fucking professional but it's nice to write for something that is a little more like this is just us having fun and you know being delighted by it it's really fun how many writers are there there are four writers and then there have been a bunch of people coming in for like a week and like uh just guest writing for a week. Really? Yes. I want one of those gigs. Do you want to? Do you want to come in? Should I let them know? I don't know. I like the idea of a one-week job. It's charming. I don't know this. Have you ever written for a show? I mean, I'm sure yes, you... Yes, I have. I've written... I wrote on the MTV video, the MVAs, like six years. Oh, really? Yeah, six out of like seven straight years or something like that. I think about six times I've written on them. Mm -hmm. I was a writer on the Sarah Silverman show for a while. Oh, lovely. Yeah, for like... A short period of time. One season, I guess. I'm sorry that I didn't know these things. I very much enjoyed the Sarah Silverman program. That's a lot of my work. I don't know if one syllable of mine made it. Hey, your job in that room is just to keep the ideas going in the room. There you go. Um, and I've done a lot of scattered other writing jobs. Yeah. But I've never had, I've never been like, I go to work every day for three years. It's weird that I have gotten that experience a reasonable amounts and it's bad like it's weird because it is the thing that tempts people away from being actual stand-up comedians like there's always that guy who shows up to like an open mic or something or like a bad show and he's like got a baseball cap on and a button-up shirt and you're like nah that man smells like he's got a three-year-old like that's a late night writer with a three-year-old who's going to tell us a bunch of jokes about soup there are uh there are comedians where you look at them i mean i'm, I'm sure some people i know people people have said this to me i've had managers go i'm interested in you as a writer okay well i'm a comedian but i'll do writing stuff but if it's only writing then i don't want you to be my manager from and the thing is is like i i've run into that as a problem when i was at chelsea lately the only people who were interested in me just were interested in me as a writer and i think they're they're 
it is not surprising that the wisdom of the industry is, oh, this gigantic, fat, gay guy, he should probably be writing things for a more attractive lady to say. Like, you, like your perspective is not necessarily needed, Branham. Right. Um, and, you know, I want to both make money and keep yelling about the things that I want to yell about. Yeah, you, sh- you should... Uh... Do you go on the road? No, I've never, like, very rarely, very rarely, I have a hard time. It, it, like, after I left Chelsea lately, like, Kindler and TJ Miller both sort of, like, were like, you have to go on the road now. Now is when you go on the road. And I appreciated that from both of them. And I was, t- to my agents, who I thought were, like, well-positioned for that, like, so, yeah, the road. And they were, I think, uh, very, like, eh, what, what do we do with you, you know? You get me gigs, and yes. then I show up and I do them. Yeah, um, it's always lovely. It's always lovely to go and get to do like a clubity club because frequently when people just showed up to see stand up, I'm not necessarily what they expected. But an hour later, uh, they're you know l- hopefully they've they've had a lovely time, and in most of the cases they have. There's no way you can do an hour though. What? <laughs> with the uh, I'm just fucking with you. The yeah, you won new fans. You made new fans. Todd, some words hurt. I know. Okay. <laughs> I apologize. It's my podcast. I can say whatever I want. But no, you make new fans. Is that the point you were making? Well, just sort of and like that people who showed up with kind of like a structured notion of what a comedian is maybe had their head opened up a little bit about yeah. that. But you should go on the road. I should go on the road. Who are your agents? Well, tell me. I'm with APA. I'm with APA. I know. They have a fantastic booking department. I know. They just this is awkward city. Yes, no, they just don't really and it it pissed me off way more three years ago when I was like just off of Chelsea lately and it was like and I was seeing sort of like other people touring or like when I see them when I see them like really get behind someone who's new and like take a kid and sort of like send them off and, and push them hard at touring and I'm like, Hey guys. Um you got to stay on it. I think you get a good following. Yes. Because uh, you're not like every other comic. Um, yeah, which is... I mean, from the clip I saw on Stana on YouTube. You half-assedly paid attention to me for like 10 minutes on that boat, or you were getting a drink. Who knows? No, it was nice to you on the boat. You know that. And I, I fucking put you on my podcast when I saw you were reaching out. Thank you so much. I appreciate this a lot. But I had actually thought about that you would be a good guest prior to uh. you groveling to be on my podcast no, I, i'm i'm spicing the story up you I'm said not you a, want to be on a podcast i'm not above groveling where do you, you have a you have a lovely lady friend but if you want a blowjob after this is done you just let me know <laughs> what, uh, where do you live in new york um for another six hours i have a place or until the end of the day i have a place at 30th and 8th but i'm leaving there because that was just an airbnb and then i'm going to a loft of this girl I barely know in Williamsburg. Um, really? Yes. So I have to like move my stuff, and that's annoying. It's been. How, are you paying this person to let you live yes. in their loft? How yes. did you meet them? It was. Oh, there's this thing called the Lee List, which is for like people in entertainment who have to like go somewhere for a job or something to like housing swap or sublet their place. And I just reached out to her and then she was like oh i used to be so-and-so's assistant i have read scripts that you wrote i know who you are you know who i am i'd like you to come live with me so i can tell you how bad your scripts were in my own apartment i'm not living with her i mean it's the beautiful hope i'm moving to brooklyn so that i can have a place of my own wait who's oh you have your own place yes but for only a couple of months her loft yes wow have you seen it no how big is it i don't know but it's a loft. It's a loft. That's that could be really good. I'm I'm hoping that it's nice. I'm paying I'm paying more for this, significantly more for this than I pay for my two bedroom in West Hollywood. Uh-huh. Though my two bedroom is rent controlled, and I want to stay there until I'm a cat lady. <laughs> Do you? Um, wow! So you you booked this sight unseen, but you knew her and you trusted her because she's yeah. like. Look, I'm only staying here for a couple of months. It's the very weird thing of because for all of 2013 I was here. And there is something weird. Were about, you really? Yeah. I didn't even know that. There's something weird about sort of like 
picking up your life and taking it somewhere else and then moving back and your friends are in relationships businesses have gone out of business and it's all very strange what stop on the l is your is your Lorimer. that's good yes two in yep not too bad not too bad two into williamsburg well that's exciting that you get a loft it is. Also, it's exciting being like the last month that I was here before I got to live in Williamsburg and it was fun. Like the fact that I didn't live there meant that I didn't have to I didn't get too much psychological damage from all of the people dressed as plumbers. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I mean, it is as ridiculous as it's stereotype sometimes. Yeah. But I think most of those people are nice. It, there's something very strange to me about why I it's like you should like this more like living in a world where like lamb hash at brunch and you know people who really clara, care about clock making are like around like it should it should make you happy but it doesn't it just always makes me like upset really what's your beef with clocks man it's it's more people it's people putting on a little identity and like look just sort of like having to like assure you that you know what their identity is. Yeah. Hey, look at this beard. This beard means that I'm chill and I like the right stuff and I'm on on board with all the right things. And it's like, I don't know. I would like there to be some danger and complexity to you, please. That's true. I've always liked when someone has some amazing record collection. They don't look cool at all. Right. I have horrible taste in music. Do you? I have really bad taste in music. Like what? I like the things that a 15-year-old girl likes. Like I like the music that is fun like i don't how uh, old are you am i allowed to ask uh, yes i'm 39 years old oh my god also that was so mean todd that i'm was older than you cruel i know <laughs> uh so so like uh sort of like t what's her name taylor swift kind of stuff yes she's a delight she's quite quitter she's turned sort of not i don't maybe turned it around as the way is not the way to no she really but has she's become critically acclaimed not just like oh she does teenager music like <gasps> She's like on best of lists and stuff. Well, she owned her identity in a really nice way. Before that, she was just sort of making the music that she was supposed to make, and I didn't find her interesting. But this most recent album, there's a lot of fuck you, buddy, um, and I like that. Yeah. She seems smart. Mm -hmm. I have to get her on the podcast sooner than later. She's got a killer apartment, I bet. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I bet it's nicer than this one. It's always, you are in a lovely building, and this is a beautiful little space that you have. Yeah. Uh, but I still ended up saying Lil when I was trying to compliment Whoa. it. Whoa. New York is a horrible, horrible place. What? Like, it's just disgusting. Um, like, it's, I know these two guys. One is a professor, and the other one is like a businessman. And they have what, to me, just looks like an apartment. Just like a regular apartment with enough room. And I'm like, how much do you possibly pay for this? Like, it's just a little bit terrifying. Yeah, it's, I was looking, you know, every every few days I go, I should buy a place. And I saw a place on Spring Street, which is in Soho. And it was like a, it was like a 400, 500 square foot studio apartment and it was 1.1 million dollars that's a cage like 400 square feet is a cage to live in i was just in richmond virginia and i found that i went on the street that had all these great houses and i just went online and for like six hundred thousand dollars which is a lot of money but pocket money me i could get like a fucking three thousand square foot apartment why don't you become a house <laughs> one of those apartments with yeah, green that, space around it yeah, what do you call where it where it's not an apartment um todd why don't you just become one of those comedians who lives in like a little town in ohio i think doug stanhope's the only guy i know who pulls that off um well because it's ridiculous and because you could never do that and why yeah, would a person want to do that um i don't like i hate it when people in cities bitch about like city life because though i do love complaining about things it is sort of like then leave please yeah. go back to iowa which was lovely and beautiful and leave the cities to those of us who need them right iowa city's pretty cool iowa city's super fun it's the only decent burrito in the in the midwest you've been to iowa city i have been to most of the college towns of the big 10 now big 12 oh did you do a little college circuit uh, I did do uh, colleges a fair amount for a period of time, but I know Iowa City specifically from my time as uh, on the collegiate quiz tournament uh, circuit. Oh my God! Right when I was about to wrap things up, what is that? Oh, it's just like it's like it's quiz bowl. You just like go and it's like trivia tournaments, 
and schools send people and you buzz in and you answer questions and you do that with a weekend of your life <laughs> on a regular basis and you try not to feel sad. So you tour taking these quizzes? This was when I was like in college and law school. But yeah, it was like a sport. But So, it, so like debate team kind of vibe? Yeah, except it's just buzzing in and answering trivia questions. So you would go to like I, University of Iowa or Iowa State, whatever, which one yes. is over there. And they'd be like, all right, well, we have some questions for you. And then you would play <laughs> them. And then you would go on to the University of Kansas and they'd have a different set of questions. Usually it would be like a shit ton of schools would like go to one school. So you would play like... So you, this was like a team you were on? Yes. So you, this wasn't like a paid gig. No, it wasn't a paid gig. It was what I did. It was a gig to me. It was what I did with my with my free time when I was in college and law school. So how did you guys travel? It was real dorky. 15-passenger van. Um, wow, I'd never even heard of this. It was... I mean, I've heard of debate team. I've heard... Of, it's uh, pretty silly. It's pretty silly. That sounds fun. Fun times in those vans. Like, being in a van full of, like, super, super smart very emotionally retarded people just leads to some amazing conversations. And sometimes like a, like a weak fraternity boy will tell you that he's scared of ghosts yeah. and you're like, you're an idiot. What's a fraternity, it's cool a, fraternity guy doing on the quiz team. But he was like the weakest one from a fraternity. He was in one of those kind yeah. of second tier fraternities. He was in one of those shitty fraternities and he was like the kind of like, like the five three guy who's trying to show yeah, what a big like, strong man he is. He's like I don't really think like these guys, but I, I I'm kind of insecure and I'm a little. I need friends. Yeah, it was pathetic. Wow, I like that. That's touring, touring quiz. Did did you guys have a good team? Um, at at Berkeley, our team was amazing, and I like never got to tour or anything because I was not good enough to like be when they could only take like two teams. I rarely got to go, but then I went to the University of Minnesota, and there I was amazing, and our team did all right. We came in third at the two thousand nineteen ninety nine or two thousand like national tournament. And you went to Berkeley undergrad. Uh, yes. What did you get your degree? English and poli sci. Not rhetoric. Not rhetoric. It has one of the only good rhetoric programs in the country. I swear, anytime I meet anyone from Berkeley, I just remember someone I know majoring in rhetoric. Yeah. So I just always like, it makes me sound smart. Majoring in rhetoric? Uh, then their eyes light up. And they know about their school. Everybody else calls the same thing complet. Called what? Con like everybody else calls the same thing comparative literature. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's what. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never actually. I don't know if I found out what exactly a rhetoric major is. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they're learning to like give speeches or anything. So English and and poli sci. Now I caught you the other night in Brooklyn. I went to hang out with Dave Hill. Uh huh. And you were part of that. What was that? That competitive erotic fan fiction. Which you won. Yes. Have you done that before? No. I don't know if I. The idea of like bringing my laptop to. It. <laughs> Fucking crowded barn, burning out a short story doesn't sound. I I really like it. Or you can yours, do the yeah, yours you, was good. Thanks. You can do like the prepared thing where you just like write it and you just bring a paper, and like the first half of it they like come with a prepared story about oh, anything they like. That's a lot of homework for. It I'm is. Into these shows with homework. I do you know who Louis Katz is. Yes, Louis Katz is like my best friend from when we started in San like Francisco. Louis. He's and been on this podcast. He loves to complain about any show that you have to write. Why, why would I want to write for a, a show when I could be writing jokes for myself that I can use always? And it is sort of like our difference of philosophy because he is he's very roadie and he always has that on his mind of why not craft a joke that I can take everywhere where I like having these skills and using these skills of being able to like come up with new well, original I mean, shit. Chances are if you write, I mean, it's the amount of work that I wouldn't like, but like chances are whatever I'm going to write for erotic fan. Was it erotic fan? He was erotic. Yes. I'm probably not going to do in my act. Exactly. So, uh, were there, did you win anything? No. Pride. Like the raw pride of knowing that uh, I took those other motherfuckers down. That you were exploited by yes. someone who walked with the $1,000 on them? Look, I'm comfortable with being exploited by Brian Cook. He's done many good things what for me. He? Oh, uh, he's the guy who runs competitive erotic fan fiction. We wrote together on Fashion Police. He's a really funny guy. And also like duty, beer swilling, uh, Seattle guy who managed to survive in the the fashion police writer's room longer than just about anybody else of, of that sort. Um, and I respect that a lot. Were you just a, were not just, but did you write for Chelsea lately or were you just, were you I, a panelist? I was a staff writer and then I became a panelist. Wow. Are you going to write on a new show? No. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. you, we're loud and clear. I get it. Yes. You don't want to work. 
uh, situation. <laughs> She's a lovely person. I don't think she would want to work with me. Okay. Ooh. Yes. I won't get into it. Okay. But I kind of want to know everything you're talking about. Last comic standing. Did you enjoy doing that? Yes. You got, see, you, you came, I mean, the reason I don't, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like those shows. But one reason is like you're at the mercy of like, you know, what they did to Ben Kronberg. And yeah. Kind of like, well, you didn't need to fucking. The, the interesting thing is, is I am, everything that I got that was lovely from Last Comic Standing, I got only because of the kindness of the producers. Because like I, they like had a group of a hundred people who were on the show and I was one of them, and then I, I didn't make it past that because I don't know why. They had nothing bad to say about me. Yeah. But then they put me on the promos, and they put me like up top on the first episode, and then they they ended up using me in sort of like compilation episodes a yeah, couple I of a times. Few times, I think. Yeah, and I ended up from... I did four minutes of material, and then I ended up being on the show like five or six times and got, so got scale. got some road work from... Yeah, I really honestly, Todd, I think like I just don't think that it it crosses most like touring, like booking agents minds that anyone would enjoy me. Like, I just think that I am not for those, you know, Josh's. How many Twitter followers do you have? Uh, I have 37,000. That's respectable. It's res like the thing is, is it was so much better because it was like thirty four, thirty five thousand like five years ago when like that was like really good, and now inflation has happened. But yeah. it's just the consistency of like no, there's no reason that I shouldn't be booked on the road. But you could tweet and you could go. I mean, you could put your t together your own tour. There's people who do that. <laughs> yes, I mean, I should do that. It is sort of the weird thing of like having a rhythm of like I, I don't it is a little bit like I don't know when I'm suddenly going to have to like do something for six months right. and um, like getting a job but yeah I, I should just book more tours myself and it's fun it it's is fun visiting America uh, like I know a lot of people get lonely or if a lot of people women get like scared and stuff but neither I like being alone I used to I used to go and do college tours a fair amount like I used to go and just like leave for a month and just like oh, yeah? do a shit ton of colleges because they like me. Did um you had that good moment with uh what was what what's uh what's his name Wayans uh, uh oh yes on the show Keenan Ivory Wayans yes where you, he said something and then you go yeah what well, you can just tell. oh he said I would like to see more of you and I said then take me to dinner it was basically just a situation of um I've like I was maybe not should be on that show partially because I've been on television enough that I like I'm not scared in those situations and like while my stand-up was good and solid I, it was also nice that I like got a chance to like be panelly because that's what I know how to do and uh -huh. you know be sort of like in the moment um, but it was also nice the one nice thing I got out of last comic standing was before I walked out there just sort of realizing like Oh, the way I approach television has fundamentally changed. Like, I'm just used to being on it enough now right. that I don't sort of get that, oh, shit, what if I urinate on myself thing. Have you done any late night shows? I've never done a set on a late night show, no. I need to work on that. Work, that, work on that while you're on the road. Now, you have a new oh, album out. I do. Let's talk about this. Yes. What's it called? It's called... Uh, it's called... Effable, F right? Effable, yes. Um, it's, a little, it's a little controversial title. Really? Why? That's really fun. Yeah, I was really offended by it. No, it's uh, it's a it's a good title. Thank you. Um, yeah, I recorded an album like almost a year ago now at Nerd Melt, um, and I think it's good and it's available for pre-order on iTunes. Pre-order, ooh, because it comes out on April fourteenth. Gauging interest, we have a like Brandon, we have a we only have six thousand pre-orders, man. That doesn't look that doesn't bode well. That's the record company guy. Yes. And it's on AST Records, right? Yes. Now, I don't go to that news, that message board as much as I used to. Yeah. I mean, it, like back when I like first got to LA, that was where all of the hot gossip was happening. Yeah. I used to like post on it. Uh-huh. I don't know if with Twitter, I mean, I guess people still post on it. Well, and also there's the thing of like, now we have these like blogs that sort of like cover things. Yeah. So by the time, you know, if Dave Chappelle says something horrible about trans people, we get like an official article about it. Right. Until and, tomorrow's person who says something about trans people. Yes. Um, but uh, I have an album and I would like it if people bought it. Because Where can they I'm get it? Very amusing. 
Where can they? Pre- Did you know that I'm I'm quite amusing? <laughs> yeah, and also, in in performance situations, loud. Like I'm very loud. That's, that is quite. If you like your comedy, to buy comedy based on the volume. <laughs> that's what your number one criteria if you're a comedian is the volume. Um, well, they can get it at many of many of the popular venues. You Tower can, Records. You can go to Amazon. You can go to Tower Records. No, the usual. If you place. belong to Columbia Records and Tapes, you it, could. You get all eleven. You get eleven copies. <laughs> um, Amazon and iTunes seem like good places. And it's available now. To go. It is available now. I mean, it will ship on the 14th or it will show up. It's called Effable, E F F A B L E. Yes, my name is Guy Branham. Damn. And if you can't figure out how to spell that, just Google Fat Gay Guy from Chelsea Lately. Now, your website, I went on it today. I got to say, uh, it's terrible. It's a little sparse. It's terrible. (laughs) It is. There was was nothing on it. I need. Except a JPEG of your album i need to improve my website is my that, fr- do you run it yourself or? no my friend megan runs it for me do you know megan keystar i feel like i do know Megan. she's very talented she's a small angry woman from los angeles um she wears a lot of skirts and <laughs> yeah. she uh she she barks with rage uh in a way that i i that makes me feel like oh there is my other self uh-huh yeah so she does your website she does my website for me i pay her money you do? Yes. What is she doing for that money? Well, I no. pay her to maintain a blank website. I pay her. How much, how much does that cost? <laughs> This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.